Hey guys, welcome to episode 14 of the Voice Over Roadmap podcast. On today's show, we have a guest co-host, Bill DeWeese. Bill is a professional voiceover talent as well as a coach, and he has a great YouTube channel and a bunch of other content that he puts out there with uh, great tips on voiceover performance, audio, marketing, business, all kinds of things. Bill has voiced projects for brands such as Disney, Coca-Cola, Lego, Google, Microsoft, and many, many more. And as always, we have a performance in audio and a business question on this week's episode, which Bill and myself answered. And if you'd like to submit a question for a future episode of the show, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. And if you'd like to check out the show notes for this show with links to all of the things that Bill and myself talk about, you can find those at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 014. And if you like the show, please go ahead and share it with your voiceover friends and leave a review and a rating on iTunes. And if you haven't listened to the uh, past episodes of the show, if you're a newer listener, I definitely recommend that you go back and listen to them because there were a lot of great guests and a lot of great content and a lot of great tips and strategies and advice and information. So definitely encourage you to go back and listen to some old episodes if you haven't yet listened to them. So let's go ahead and jump into episode 14 with guest co-host Bill DeWeese. Hey, Bill, how's it going? Good, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking some time to be here. Really appreciate it. It is my pleasure. Thank you. So what I'd like to do when there's guests on the show is just start off just by introducing you a little bit and talking about your history as it pertains to voiceover. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure a lot of people are already familiar with you, either through your YouTube videos or some of the other content you have out there. But for those who aren't, can you just talk a little bit about how you got started in voiceover and uh, you know how your career really took off? Yeah, I've had a, an interesting and uh, kind of a winding curve of a, of a career prior to this. I actually jumped off into my working life, uh, working in broadcasting, in radio specifically, and did that for a while. Uh, ended up in, after that, and I was in radio for a very long time. Um, I was a college professor for 14 years. I worked for a business consulting firm um, here in the Chicago area. I worked for an instructional design firm. And I, what happened was the company that I was working for ended up going out of business. And so I found myself uh, needing to find new work. This is like in 2006. And mm-hmm. that's when I decided to, uh, to, to pursue voiceover. I had a family and three kids and you know, a mortgage and car payments and all the stuff, you know, that adults have to deal sure. with. And so I needed, I had to figure out something pretty quick. And so I thought, well, you know, let's give it a shot. So really, uh, and I, again, I'd worked in radio, but radio is a different, it's a different animal, mm-hmm. but I was able to figure out enough and I knew enough about marketing and I had been a business consultant at one point. So I understood marketing enough that I could, I got something going. I got a little momentum and then uh, I launched out, yeah, in 2006. So it's been almost 12 years now that I've been doing this full time. Nice. And so along the way, did you hit any sort of big moments or milestones, be it, you know, a specific job that really stood out to you um, or just, you know, getting your first agent or anything like that? Are there, what are the sort of big moments that stand out to you? <laughs> yeah, there, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll explain why I'm laughing. There are a couple <laughs> of things that have happened. And it's funny. Sometimes the things we think are big deals really aren't that big of a deal. Uh-huh. Um, and it's been overall, it's been a fairly steady progression since then, uh, f- thankfully upward as opposed to downward. Yeah. But I remember being told early on, well, you got to, you know, you got to get an agent. That's like one of the most important things you can do is, is get an agent and be listed on uh, voicebank.net. Uh-huh. So, uh, so I got my demo and, and finally I got signed to an agency. Uh, Lori Lentz is the agency They're in Chicago and Milwaukee. And uh, I remember I had to drive up for a meeting. It was like an hour drive. Their, their main office is in Milwaukee. And um, I remember being so excited, think this is it. I thought, this is it. This is where I really dive into the deep end of voiceover. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and here I am 12 years later, I've never booked a single job through her. <laughs> so it's, it's <laughs> again, right. one of those things where I thought it was such a big deal, I ended up being nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, what I found along the way was that having an agent really wasn't a big deal at all, at least not for me in the way I've, I've built my career. But, mm-hmm. you know, and then I've, um, yeah, I, I did the um, Chevrolet Find New Roads campaign. Um, I did a, glo- John Cusack did the U.S. stuff and I did the global outside of the U.S., Nice. Which was still yeah. a pretty big deal. That was 2015. So that was a pretty big mile marker for me. And I've had a few, I mean, there have been a number of things that were been, I thought, pretty cool and exciting. Because most of the stuff I do, I, I've recorded over 10,000 projects over the past 12 years. Wow. Most of them, <laughs> you know, are not anything you'd want to talk about at a cock- cocktail party. I mean, it's a lot oh, of... Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, there's, you know, there's commercials, but it's, you know, a lot of e-learning and corporate and nothing, mm-hmm. you know, terribly sexy or glamorous. But I, I recently did a voice for a Lego City Policeman. That was kind of cool. And I've done some video games and a few things here or there. But it's, you know, mostly run-of-the-mill voiceover work, you know, kind of the daily yeah. grind. Right, the day-to-day stuff. And those big ones come along, you know, here and there, which are the fun ones to share and talk about. But yeah, yeah. So, and those, oh, and I did, I mean, I did a U.S. Open golf uh, promo for Fox uh, TV. Oh, awesome. And that was kind of cool. But again, you know, those kind of punctu, those are like punctuations that come along very. Exactly. Yeah. You know, occasionally, once in a blue moon, most of the stuff I do is just the the regular daily grind of corporate work and, and local and regional commercials and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so currently uh, in your current home studio setup, what's your sort of, what's your gear look like and what's your setup look like? Microphone, uh, you know, interface, recording software? Uh, Well, first of all, I work, I have a whisper room that I operate out of. It's three and a half by five feet. So it's a booth I'm in. I'm in it right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, In terms of gear, I use an iMac. Adobe Audition is the uh, program Mm -hmm. that I used to record and edit with. My interface is Universal Audio Apollo Twin. Nice, nice. And my microphone is a Neumann TLM-103. Nice. Yeah, I got um, the Apollo Quad. That's uh, I like the Universal oh, yeah, Audio you stuff a lot. get a yeah. lot of that processing power there. Yeah, for voiceover, I mean, it's a little bit of overkill, but, you know, I do some music and post-production stuff, so that's where it comes in handy. Yeah, but, and um, I get that because I'm a musician too, so and I like to produce mm-hmm. stuff. And as I do, I, I end up running out of DSP and it's like... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it gets eaten up pretty quickly. But uh, do you remember back to your, so now we just talked a little bit about your current studio setup. Can you take us back to your first studio setup? Do you remember what that was like? Oh, I'll never forget it, Michael. Um, I, I, it was in the uh, the closet of, of the, our master bedroom. And so I had to kind of negotiate <laughs> with my wife on that one. You know, I'm launching off into this new thing that we don't even know whether it'll work out or not. Yeah. And I convinced her to allow me to use, and it was a walk-in closet. So there was a little bit mm-hmm. of room in there. It wasn't huge by any means, but there was a little bit of room. I convinced her to allow me to use my half of the closet, <laughs> you know, for, for a yeah, studio. Sure. So I literally, I, I set up, and you would laugh if you if you could have seen it, because I set up my, my equipment in a corner. Of course, I'm surrounded by clothing. But mm-hmm. um, I didn't want the computer. I used to, I was using a PC and the fan made a lot of noise. And yeah, of course you yeah, got to have that yeah. around you. So what I did with the help of my wife, we drilled holes in the wall of the closet and adjacent to the closet or t- yeah, to the closet was the, the toilet in the bathroom, which was mm-hmm. essentially its own, like it was a, it was a water closet. It had its own closed door. It's a separate room. Yeah. And so uh, the, we drilled the holes through there. I set the computer up in front of the <laughs> toilet. And wow. then ran cables through the hole and then, in, you know, into, into the, the closet. And that was, uh, that was my first studio setup. 
Wow. And what about microphone and stuff? What were you using at that time? Oh, yeah. I was using, well, see, yeah, so I had an old PC that I was using, and I was using Adobe Audition even back then. In terms mm-hmm. of microphone, I had a Marshall MXL 2001, which you can pick up for like 50 bucks, you know, on eBay. Yeah, I think I've heard used. of that. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah, and I used that, and I used that for several years. I mean, I recorded national spots with that. It's, you know, it never hindered me from getting yeah. work. And, you know, yeah, I, I think, think people a lot of people get obsessed don't realize. with gear, and they think, well, yep. if I can just buy, you know, this mic or that, it'll change everything. And and usually it doesn't change things as much as they think it will. Yeah, absolutely. I've been using uh, like a Shure KSM 27, which I don't think they really make anymore, but it's like, it's not a very low end mic, but it's not a super high end mic. I think when I bought it, it was somewhere around 300 bucks. And I used that when I started and I use it today. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know what? And I, if you, if you went out and bought a $5,000 microphone today, I'm sure what you would find out is that you would not get any more work than you're getting now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once you get a good sound, good audio quality, and you know you know what you're doing a little bit when it comes to you know the production side of things, I think you don't really got to upgrade too much. It's mostly yeah, no, that's really ninety cool percent on the operator, ninety five percent the Absolutely. operator, five percent the equipment. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So yeah, so let's jump into some uh, marketing kind of questions that I have for you. Um, so I've heard you talk a little bit about the marketing funnel, and um, yeah, you know that's yeah. a concept that I totally agree with it. You got to pour a lot of stuff in the top of that funnel and then, you know, you get the results at the bottom. So do you, in your own voiceover business, do you have any sorts of targets or numbers that you aim for in terms of how much to pour into the top of that funnel? Do you try to hit, you know, a certain number of auditions, marketing touches a week, or how do you sort of approach that? Yeah. You know, early on, um, of course, you've got to, in the beginning, you just have to pour as much stuff as you can in the top of the funnel uh, mm-hmm. because what you find out, and you know, people who haven't done this before, they often set themselves up for failure because they focus on every single, you know, well, hey, I did five auditions and I haven't heard a thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, you may have to do 500. Yeah. We don't know yet. You don't know yet until you do it. And so um, my goal was just to do as much activity as I could to get an idea so I could start to figure out my numbers. And then once, uh, and so early, I mean, I was doing this full time. So I would, I just reached out non-discriminately to every single production house that I could, either by phone or by email. And, um, and then I figured out, it took me over a hundred auditions to get my first job. Which, as I look back at it, it actually wasn't, that's not awful. I know people who do, you know, who go through a lot more. Some who do a lot faster. So, I mean, you know, not the best, not the worst. Um, But what I found, you know, I begin to, I begin to think this way. Here, here was the thought process. Well, if it takes me a hundred auditions to get a job and let's just say then, let's say the average job at that point was a hundred or 200 bucks, or let's just say for sake of math, it's a hundred bucks. Like you're doing on hold stuff and, you know, little explainer videos and stuff like that. 12 years ago. So, okay. How, how much do I need to make in a week? And then I begin to build the math equation. So let's just say, let's see, when I first started, my goal was to make, I wanted, I wanted to make $50,000 a year because that would allow me to not have to get another job. So that's a thousand dollars a week, basically. Right. So that'd be 10 jobs a week if the average pays a hundred bucks. So what is, if I'm doing a hundred auditions to get one job, that means I have to do a thousand. Now it sounds a little absurd, but, but that's the math. That's how, that's the formula I keep in my mind. And of course, with time uh-huh. and experience, you know, my audition ratio got better and better and better and better. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it wasn't nearly as difficult, but, um, but that's, I hope that makes sense, but that's really how I've always approached it. And, mm-hmm. and in terms of marketing touches, um, yeah. you know, the old rule of thumb is that you need to touch somebody at least six times a year for them to remember you. And so what I, I do it monthly with my clients and what I call warm prospects, meaning people who have given me a positive feedback and right. like my demo and said, let's stay in touch, that kind of thing. I, I try to make sure that I reach out to them once a month. 
And what kind of stuff are you saying and how are you reaching out to them monthly? Like, cause I, I, I think email. Okay. And like, cause something that I struggle with myself and I'm sure a lot of people do too, is like towing that line between, you know, staying in touch with them, but not getting annoying and, you know, being too and, persistent. And here's the thing. Um, I don't worry too much about becoming annoying. I mean, I'm not an annoying person, I think, by nature. But <laughs> and what I mean by that is if somebody really likes what I do and they have an intention of possibly hiring me at some point, right. they're, they're going to they're tolerate it. If they're not, mm-hmm. then I don't, you know, I don't care whether they delete me from their list or not. It doesn't matter because they're not going to hire me. So, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? And like you said, it's these are clients and warm prospects. It's not like you're shooting these emails out to anyone right, and everyone. Yes, exactly. And I like to ask for permission to do that before, you know, before I before I do that. And I use a service out there uh, called Happy Grasshopper. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. What's that do? Happygrasshopper.com. What they do is they actually write the emails for you. Oh, interesting. And they make and they really make it revolve around it's more like water cooler talk. It's not uh-huh. Hey, I'm Bill. Don't forget, you know, for your, yeah, all your yeah. voiceover needs, hire me. It's not that. Exactly. Not salesy like that. No, yeah. no, no. It's very, it's much more engaging. And uh, I get a lot of engagement from my clients that way. They actually respond and share their thoughts and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, it's, it, it's, for me, it allows me to focus on what I need to do. And that is audition, or, you know, and record projects. That's where I make my money. And that service is kind of automated. So like you, I guess, put some information into it, I'm assuming up front. Right. And then it kind of yeah, monthly Yeah, and, it, and it's a paid service. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what the chart. I know I'm grandfathered in at some ridiculously low price, and it's gone up since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but they it's automated. They they write it, and then you get to, you can see it. You can you know decide whether you want to use it or not, or if you want to modify right. it or not. So you have complete editorial control. And is it just text based, or are they also sending along some audio and some like videos of work that you've done, or is it just simply a text email? It's just text email. But what I do sometimes, if I do something that I think is is brag worthy, and what I mean by that is something that somebody would actually relate to and think, oh, that's cool. Uh-huh. Then in the PS, oftentimes I'll say, hey, by the way, I just finished this project for Lego or whatever. If you have a minute, gotcha. we'll check it out. Here it is, and put a link. Uh, but yeah, it's, that's, t- that's text based. Yeah. Other than that. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, that's interesting because, um, yeah, you know, that's a confusing thing is like, well, what do I do? I want to stay in touch with them, obviously, but do I just say, hey, you know, here's something I did recently. Or, <laughs> right, you know, right. Here's it's like, like, they don't care. Yeah, they might not care if it's, I mean, obviously, if it's like a really big high profile, like if you booked a national TV spot, that's really cool. You can share that, you know, yeah, but if it's, it's like. it's a little more interest, but again, it's, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's, you're just putting your name in front of them so they remember you. So I don't think you need to overly worry about being annoying or doing something that's not so cool. Most of what we yeah. do is not, at least for me, is not that cool anyhow. It's, yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, front of the mill. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in terms of, so that's sort of dealing with, um, you know, warm leads and existing clients. Now, in terms of, you know, reaching out to a totally new prospect, so like a cold contact, can you sort of uh, walk us through that process in terms of, how you would find them in the first place, how you would know which person to contact. Um, yeah, I'm assuming you're emailing them or calling them. What kind of things do you say? Uh, do you follow up? You know, let's kind of just step through that a little bit if you can. Yes, I will. And let me say, first of all, that I try my, the processes I use are, you know, are simplified down so that even somebody like me can do it successfully. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's how I'll preface all of this. It's just okay. very simple. I don't overthink anything. So um, from a marketing standpoint, you know, my question is, okay, who, who's my audience? Who, who, you know, who do I need to make sure is aware of me, you know, that will hire me? And for the most part, these are, these are video production companies. I mean, that's 90 plus percent of the market out there. 
Mm-hmm. These are the guys who do TV commercials. They do explainer videos. They do corporate narration or, you know, corporate video type work, which requires narration. They do um, uh, multimedia learning, e-learning, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, all you have to do really is jump on Google. There are tens of thousands of these places, by the way, all over the world. You will never run out of prospective clients to contact. Yeah. It always, it's always funny when somebody, you know, some people say, well, how in the world do you find clients? Oh, my goodness. All you have to do is Google video production company. That, I mean, that is the simplest way to there do really it. There really are so and, many. Yeah. And you will never run out. And if you want to narrow that down by city or state or country, it really, you know, um, a lot. And a lot of people think local, too. I've never thought local. I really do think global. Uh, 25% uh-huh. of my work comes from Europe. I've got wow. clients in China, Brazil, you know, of course, Canada, but I mean, literally all over the Australia, all over the world, because there's demand for different dialects all over the world. So never limit yourself. Yeah, um, and so that's, you know, so that's how I find them. I mean, simply a Google search right now. You're usually the person you're looking for, uh, their title will be creative director or producer. Mm-hmm. Usually. Of course, every shop is different. Sometimes it's a one man or woman shop. Sometimes it's you know, it could be twenty people or somewhere more or less. Um, so if I'm, if you can call, that's the ideal way to do it. Which people hate cold calling. Yeah, meaning you're calling somebody you do not know because people yeah. think it's sales. You know, <laughs> sales calling. But the great thing about it, it's in. I've never asked anybody to hire me before. I've never asked anybody to listen to me before. My my magic question is always this, and it's simply, are you currently accepting voiceover demos? That's my magic question. Mm-hmm. And 99% of the time they say, sure, send it to me. So yeah, it's, right. it's such an easy, th- I mean, if you do it, once you do it, you realize, oh my gosh, that was so painless. It's almost ridiculous. Um, now, the thing that you have to understand that is, you know, like we talked about earlier, it is a numbers game. Just because somebody Absolutely. listens to your demo doesn't mean they're going to hire you uh-huh. or that they're ready to hire you. It's timing. You know, they may not need you now. They might, you know, um, let me give you a, for instance, I was, um, I signed on with, uh, it's really more of a production. It's kind of a, there's a place in Europe. It's kind of a semi, semi-talent agency, semi-production house. They kind of do both. But I was with them for like four years until they, you know, then until they started using me and then a couple of years after that, I end up I booked my Chevrolet Find New Roads campaign gig through them. So I mean, you never know where things are going to lead. You just never know, right? And so it sounds like you're doing cold calling for for the most part. Is that sort of the go to method for you? I used to. Okay. You know, different parts, different times in your career will call for different methods. And mm-hmm. uh, when you're first, you know, the the kind of the way I look at it is up until you're making at least, I'd say, you know, hundred to hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, you probably should be doing a lot of cold calling because it's my belief that it's anybody with a reasonable amount of ability, even a moderate amount of ability, can make that much money in voiceover if you simply mm-hmm. market yourself properly. And you know, realize that it's a numbers game and get out there as much as possible. Yeah. The, the problem is, is that a lot of voiceover people, you know, most are creative types, which I understand. I, I'm that as well. But we personalize everything, mm-hmm. and you can't. You have to be very surgical about it and realize that most people will never hire me. I know that. I've accepted yeah. that, and I'm okay with that. And uh, I can take rejection because I realize this is. And by rejection, I don't mean people are calling me saying you suck. It's not that kind of rejection. It's the kind of rejection you just never hear back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, it doesn't matter if you're an A-list actor in Hollywood or you're doing this for a living. That's just, that's the way it works. It's part of it. Yeah, it's how it goes. That's how it goes. You know, and, and so I'm, when you're- You gotta be at peace with that. 
Yeah, it's no, it's very true. So, and when you're like, say, when so, let's say you cold call a company and you say, "Hey, can I send you my demo?" They say, "Sure," and you send it to them, and then you don't hear anything back, which I'm sure is like a common thing that happens. What's next? Do you follow up with them? Do you kind of just put well, them into your monthly yeah. rotation? Yeah, yeah. And usually, the, the last part of the conversation on the phone is, "Hey, by the way, do you mind if I just stay and stay in touch occasionally?" Uh-huh. And they always say yes. And so then they go into my uh, my marketing yeah rotation, and I just put them in an Excel spreadsheet. I don't use Salesforce.com or um, mm-hmm. you know, and I have other jobs. I mean, I understand how those CRMs work, and I've used them professionally. But right. I think for voiceover, it's overkill. So I throw them in an Excel spreadsheet and make sure that they're you know they're getting an email once a month, and then I just kind of set it and forget it. Right. And that's how I yeah, do I that. think yeah, I think the most important like I mean there's plenty of ways to keep track of stuff, CRM systems and spreadsheets, whatever. The most important thing is just that you actually do that, that you actually do keep that's, track of that stuff. You know what, Michael, that's what a lot of this boils down to. If you just yeah. do it, most people just don't do they think about it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what they think and they mean to and then they get frustrated they frustrated and then they think, Well, I'm terrible and then, you know, they go down this really long, dark path <laughs> in their in their mind and then they just they just give up. Or yeah. they're very sporadic at best with it. No, very true. I, I attacked it like a pit bull. <laughs> and that's the way and to I do it. And yeah. I never let go. No, that's the way to do it for sure. Um, yeah, so I think we're about ready to jump into our questions from the audience for this week. Before we do, I just want to let people know a little bit about the stuff that you have going on. So if you guys don't already know, uh, Bill has a really, really great YouTube channel. Um, I've watched tons of those videos on there. And there's, oh, thank they cover, you, yeah, they cover a very wide range of, uh, you know, voiceover related things from performance things to business things, audio things, uh, you know, very, very broad YouTube channel in terms of voiceover. So uh, there will be a link to that in the show notes. You guys should definitely check it out if you haven't already. Um, there's also voice-over-training.org. And that's sort of like the hub for your, you know, training material, right? Would it is. That? And it's, okay. I'll have to be honest, we're in the process of getting ready to do a complete revamp on it. So excuse uh, okay. our construction, as they say. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and the other thing you have going on is you, um, recently you started doing some weekly webinars, uh, called three steps to building a six figure voiceover business and they're free webinars. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and what kind of stuff you talk about on those webinars? Yeah. yeah. So what I do is, as I really, I break it, I break the whole, I make the as simple and as clear as I possibly can. And by the way, what I'm going to do, I'm going to provide a link so that of a replay of a webinar. So you don't even have to register to watch it. You can just, you know, go to the video uh, and and check it out. But what I do over the course of about an hour to 90 minutes, talk about the three, there are really three key elements, um, you know, of building a a six-figure, you know, voice over business. You have to understand how to get clients and how to keep clients. You have to understand uh, some basic performance techniques and you have to understand basic marketing. And Mm -hmm. so if you understand these three things and you apply them like what we were just talking about on a religious basis, then you really can't help but do pretty well, in my humble opinion, in voiceover. I really think the reason that most people don't succeed and they they don't, I mean, if you look, most people don't and it's not, it has nothing to do with ability or talent. It has to do with lack of proper information. Number one, they're not doing the right stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Or B, they give up because it's, it is a mental game. It's, a, it's like running a marathon mentally. You have to understand that there's a mindset. And if you don't have the right mindset and you're not prepared emotionally and mentally, you'll get beat up pretty bad. 
Yeah. Um, and so if you understand those things, and that's really what this webinar does, it outlines those things that you have to know, then, then you, you know, there's a very good likelihood you'll do very well in voiceover. And if people want to check out the webinar live, are you doing it sort of on a recurring basis? Yeah, I'm running Facebook ads um, okay, cool. right now. So I'm trying, I, I wish I could tell you every, every week it's a different registration link, you know, uh -huh. for the live webinar. And I'm not sure exactly how to uh, get you plugged into that, except that if yeah, I bet if you, I bet if you plugged in and just did a search for voiceover in Facebook, I bet you'll see one of my ads pop up where you can register. Yeah, cool. And do you do any sort of like Q&A or anything if people have questions about the stuff that you're covering? Yeah, I sure do. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. So yeah, I'll put it. Well, I'll definitely put a link to the recorded one. And then, um, like you said, if people want to search to find the live ones, they can do that as well. Right. But let's jump over now to our audience questions for this week. So as always, we have a performance question, an audio question, and a business question. So yeah, so we're going to start out with our performance question, which comes from Amy. And she asks, what are some tips for delivering a great conversational read? So yeah, it's a great question, a timely question for, uh, you know, the kinds of reads that are popular today. Uh, so yeah, the holy grail of voiceover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The conversational read. Amy, the good, that's a very good question. And it really all, it boils down. It's about being you. And I hate to even use the word performance because performance, you know, has a connotation that means you're being somebody other than you. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're playing the role of somebody else. And I'm going to keep this as simple as I can, but it's to be yourself. You have to understand the context of the script. What's going, this is not about how you sound. And that's one of the biggest is when I coach people. That's one of the first things we have to deal with. Nobody cares what you sound like. This is not about the sound of your voice. Nobody will hire you because they, they may say, oh, you have a nice voice. But what they mean is you, you make me feel, there's something I feel when I listen to you. I believe you. Mm -hmm. And belief comes through emotion. If you can make somebody feel something, then they're going to, to, to lean in to hear what you have to say. But the only way they feel something is you've got to feel something first. And the only way that happens is you have to understand the story, the context. So, for instance, um, just to give a quick example, let's say I'm doing a commercial for a hospital and I'm speaking from the standpoint of somebody, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of the hospital. So I might view myself, I could be an administrator, I could be a doctor or a surgeon. And um, I have to understand who I'm talking to, people who at some point may need to trust themselves in, into my care. And so my job is to inspire a sense of confidence. They have to know, it's like when you go to a doctor, you know, nobody talks about how great, well, I mean, you may talk about how great your doctor is, but usually it's within the context of how they make you feel. Oh, they're mm -hmm. so nice. They listen. You know, they answer all my questions. They have such a great bedside manner, which has nothing to do with their skill as a doctor. Most of us wouldn't know if our doctors are skilled or not. What we know is how they make us feel and they inspire our confidence. So our job, you know, being yourself is about being yourself in the story. So if that was me, how would I, how would I make somebody understand that I, that I am empathetic? I would feel empathy toward them and care and concern. And by the way, I read the script. I would let, the, I would want them to know that I've got their back. And I'm going to take care of this. And mm -hmm. so, um, but if it was, uh, you know, I'm selling cars, it's going to be different because then it's about being excited about something. How would I talk to my best friend about this awesome car that they need to check out? You know, so it's always, it's always about being you within the context of the script. I hope that makes sense, but you have to identify what's going on, who you are, who are you talking to and, and what should you feel? Right. Uh, and once you can do that, you know, you stand a chance of doing a pretty good job with it. 
Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's, I mean, you can be conversational within, you know, different contexts. You can be yourself within different kinds and styles of reads. Being conversational yeah. can mean a thousand different things, depending yeah. on as, what the script is. <laughs> as can, like, most of the descriptors that you see on yes. job things. You know, it's like when somebody says upbeat, are they talking about, you know, just talking like this, upbeat? Or are they talking about a car salesman and, like, really over the, t- you know, it's... People have different opinions of different things, um, so direction is could be kind of funny in that sense. But here's um, a side note: I pay very little attention to direction. I mean, I look at it, but uh-huh. what I realize, people don't know what they want until they hear it. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. And I used to try. To, I used to contort myself trying to sound like what I thought they wanted me to sound like, <laughs> and I never. And I had a hard time getting jobs. Once I started just saying, "Okay, how would I react in this situation?" That's when I started getting a lot of work. Yeah. And that's a good point, too, because when you're trying really hard to be like, all right, this is the description they gave. I got to be this. Then you're you're going back now more into performance mode and less of just being you and being, you know, being a real person who's believable and authentic and real. And that's what they want a lot of the time. And it's like in back to uh, Amy's question, like, what are tips for delivering a great conversational read? I think a good tip would be to try to like internalize things as much as you can and make it seem like you're just saying these words. You're not reading a script. Get as far away from sounding like I'm just reading a script as possible. Absolutely. Um, That's key. And that comes through. You've got to feel something to do that. You can't fake that. People will pick up on that. Yeah, absolutely. And you could, I mean, I, you know, when you're doing a ton of auditions, sometimes you're just cold reading stuff for the first time in, in an effort just to, you know move along and keep up the pace but i think it could help to maybe do a, f- a few you know pre-reads understand the script uh you know s- start not memorize it but you know s- kind of know what's coming up and stuff and then that could help you sort of deliver it in a way that okay now i'm more familiar with this i can sort of sound a little more off the cuff a little more real as i'm reading it as opposed to i'm seeing these words for the first time and i'm reading them i'm hoping i don't mess up i'm hoping i don't you know drop a word or something like that i would always opt for quality over quantity and because mm-hmm. the quality read is what the ra- is, that's what radio people do. I mean, quantity. Yeah. And because I, I, you know, I was one. I know that you're just ripping off stuff, and that's a tough oh, way yeah, to get yeah. working voiceover. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so thank you so much for the question, Amy. Um, that's a that's a great one and a timely one for the the kind of reads that are very popular now. So let's uh, move along to our audio question, which comes from Ray. And Ray asks. Is dead silence between words or phrases frowned upon when music is going to be added to the read? Gating would sound unnatural on an audiobook, but what about on a mix? So yeah, so I think I guess he's asking, you know, in terms of a commercial or something that's going to be, you know, mixed with music and sound effects, is it okay to have dead silence there? Um, he's sort of acknowledging the fact that it wouldn't be okay on an audiobook or something where it's just going to be dry voice. Yeah, and of course we have to go back. At, like, what is the what is the you know, what are we trying to do? We're trying to, to get to a place where people don't notice anything. We don't want them to notice the breaths. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the why I assume you're saying you we're talking about silence. But silence will draw attention to itself, too. Yeah, absolutely. So the bigger question is, how do we make it so that nobody nobody's attention is drawn away from the story, from our, you know, from our voice? And um, I would I would vote to stay away from silence. Uh, I think room tone is the best way to do that. And, you know, just remain silent, hit record and get a couple seconds of just the silence of your room, which is not the same thing as silent silence. You know, dead silence Silence. is loud. (laughs) You know, it's attention grabbing. Room tone is airbrushing. Right, exactly. Room tone can, uh, you know, kind of smooth that gap a little bit. And it also, you know, your noise floor will play into it too. If you have a noise floor that's not the best, then yeah, dead silence is going to be really, really noticeable when you go from, you know, your recorded voice with that noise floor underneath it to the dead silence. That's going to be super noticeable. So um, 
you know, if you're if you're having those kinds of issues where you do hear a big drop off like that, I think reassessing your studio setup and you know your noise floor is kind of a first thing to check in regards to that. Right. But um, yeah, in terms of like the question is dead silence frowned upon when music is going to be added? I think it's frowned upon in any application if it's noticeable. So that's kind of yes. the main thing. You don't yeah, want and it to you be never noticeable. know what the music is going to be. It could be a very yeah. light piece. Yeah. That still true. allows that silence to stand out or not. Yep. You know, usually we're not privy to that information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You might not even know. I mean, it's up to the engineers and the producers and that's all taking place after the fact after you deliver. So, yeah, very true. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for the question, Ray. And let's jump to our last question, which is our business question. And this week's question comes from Will, and he asks, how can I develop a consistent marketing plan for my VO business? What would such a plan include or look like? Well, how yeah, much time a, do we have? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it's a pretty involved question, but uh, I don't know. Can you kind of summarize something as best you can? Yeah, yeah, I, I can. Of course, it boils down, you've got to know your audience, and we know and as I talked about earlier, I identify them primarily, primarily as video production folks, mm-hmm. because that's where the, that's where the action's at. I mean, 90 plus percent, that's where the action's at. And then how do I get in, you know, how do I get in front of them? Well, I need to have great demo material. You know, I know that. So I'm assuming we have that already. So assuming mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's the case, how can I best get in front of them? And then can I do that consistently? And one way we talked about earlier you can simply, um, you know, Google to begin finding these companies and literally saying, you know, every day I'm going to contact either by phone or by email 50 production companies a day and then do that for a month or two and see what kind of result you get because mm-hmm. then that gives you a baseline to work from. Oh, okay. I need to make 10 phone calls to get, you know, a job yeah, to, or whatever the case may be. And once right. you have those numbers, then you know how to adjust your effort on the, the top of the funnel, you know, yeah, you how to do that. Yep. But that's, I mean, that's how I would do it. Um, and then I would just do, ma- you know, massive, massive reaching out in large, especially when you're first starting, you cannot, you cannot overdo this part of it. You've got to contact a lot of people, a lot yeah. of people. And you've probably heard it before, but I mean, it's it's true is that a lot of your time is going to be spent marketing much more than actually in front of the mic at, at the beginning, uh, you know, especially when you first start. Yeah. Ninety nine percent of your efforts going to be marketing one yeah. percent recording. And the mm-hmm. goal is to make that, you make know, one percent marketing, ninety nine percent recording. What does it look like for you now? Like, what's your kind of balance of those things uh, like in your day to day schedule now? Most of my marketing is to clients I already have half of my uh, and I keep a very full um, schedule. You know, uh-huh. every day, five days a week. And so, um, you know, I've, I stay in touch with my regular clients and warm prospects through email mm-hmm. and, um, my customer service is my biggest marketing now because I, you know, half those people keep coming back to me now, the new clients, and this is a whole other conversation. I now get primarily through online casting okay, because I've really fine tuned and really mastered that. And, uh, I stopped doing cattle call auditions a, a year ago, August. And all I do now is respond to people who respond to me first. Oh, so it's only private auditions. So it's private online casting auditions? Yep. Ah, okay. And you're getting enough of those that it's like, you know, a, a decent amount of auditions. Per oh, week. yeah. Yeah. Like yesterday cool. morning, I got up, I think I had four or five, you know, private auditions waiting for me to start ah, the cool. day. And then you're obviously, you know, you already have a better shot at that because you're being invited specifically. It's not a, you know. Oh, it's a game changer. It's a whole different ball game at that point. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so are you auditioning? I, I mean, I'm assuming you have agents and stuff too, but are you auditioning pretty consistently like on a daily basis or not really? Only, you know, even with uh, with my agents, I realized over time that, you know, some agents I get fairly regular work from. Some I never get, you know, like Lori Lenz. I mean, nothing against that agency, but I'm just saying I've never booked anything. So why, right, right. why you know, it's 80-20, 20% of your efforts get 80% of your results. Yeah. I'm simply yeah. not going to focus my time and efforts where I don't get results. It takes a while to figure that out. Uh, so there are very few agents now that I'll respond to and do auditions, but there are a few that I will because I know I have a pretty good chance, you know, but I, I really focus on, again, primarily with, with online casting, I have almost more than I can keep up with. So um, it's just a matter now of I fill up my day, I raise my rates, lose a few clients, fill up my day again, <laughs> raise my rates, lose a few clients. You know, it's just a, it's a process of increasing my income by increasing my rates and dropping mm -hmm. off the bottom end. Right. And then getting some new clients, you know, to keep filling things up. Yeah, absolutely. I call it, it's my pruning strategy. You have yeah. to prune to make room for new once you fill, you know, once your tree is filled with fruit. Yeah. And that's how you move forward. That's how you grow, right? Yeah, you know, that's absolutely. How you keep things progressing. Awesome. Well, thank you, Will, for the question. And thank you, Bill, so much for uh, your time being yeah, on the show and for answering these questions. Really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, before we close things out, do you have any last words, anything you want to add that we didn't touch on or things to add to things that we did touch on? Just anything you want to say to close things out? Yeah, well, you know, I'll say that I do believe voiceover is just, I think it's one of the most tremendous opportunities, especially now with technology and the fact that we can do it from home. And I think far more people are capable than realize they are capable of doing this. And uh, just make sure you get good information that you're focused on doing the right things and realize, you know, always stay focused on the long term. And by long term, I don't mean 10 years. You know, it may take you a little longer to get the results that you, that you want than you think. Um, but you know, I grew up a, a pretty, I, I, I outgrew my previous income within a year by in doing voiceovers. Mm -hmm. So if you can do the right things for several months and be very consistent, you can expect, you know, a good return on your efforts. So I would encourage you to hang in there and just keep doing the right things. Awesome. Yeah. I agree totally. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, Bill. And uh, guys, the show notes for this episode will be online. You can get links to everything that Bill and myself talked about. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Bill. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Bye. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. I did. I know I got a lot out of speaking with Bill and uh, really enjoyed my time talking with him. So thank you again, Bill, for taking some time to be on the show and answering some questions with us. Really appreciate it. And again, if you'd like to check out the show notes for this episode, you can find them at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 014. And there you will find links to the things that Bill and myself talked about. And if you'd like to submit a question for a future episode, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. So again, thank you guys so much for listening and for following along with the show so far. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop me an email. It's always great to hear some feedback and uh, know what you guys are liking about the show, not liking about the show. And it's always just great to hear from you guys. So please feel free to go ahead and do so. And we will see you next week in episode 15. Talk soon.